Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. in regards to the love of God and just this season and the times that we're in. And how many of you know that this time of year is one of those times that you, you, you face cold and flus, right? I was just told uh, before we started service today that there's an actual thing. It's an actual scientific proven thing that there's what is called the man flu. And the man flu is actually more severe than the common flu. And it's only that which men get. And so... <laughs> Listen, that guy over there said it, so <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, well, that explains a whole lot, right? <laughs> well, anyways, with that being said, you know, we have these opportunities of year where you start feeling sickness and feeling those things that just kind of start attacking your body, and you've got to have a response to it, Right? And if you'll know how much you're loved, you can respond in a different way. And for that matter, you know, I've got kids that are in school. And so you'll get things in the in the mail or uh, slips of paper sent home or even things sent to you on Facebook or your, your text messages. You know, they use all the technology nowadays. And they say, you know, there's something going around the school. You know, or, or, or in the other classroom, they just had an epidemic and all the kids are going and, and just wanted to keep you aware and be looking for these symptoms. And if you're not careful, the way that you respond is like, oh, dear God, I, ho- I hope my kids don't get it. Oh, dear God, man, I-, I hope they don't get sick because if they get sick, that means it's going to spread from one kid to the next and then eventually I'm going to get it, right? That's the knee-jerk response. But if you'll respond differently through the lens of how you're loved and that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus and Jesus said, I came to redeem you from the curse of the law, therefore you don't have to be sick. We can immediately begin to say, man, thank you, God, that you love me. And I thank you that sickness and disease don't have to hit my home. I thank you that, Lord, that stuff won't go through and infect my family. Come on. Why? Because I'm loved. And just like that little teaser, that little video says, live like you're loved. So that means I can change my countenance, my attitude about the whole flu and whole sickness thing. Man, God loves me too much for me to just have to go through this stuff. I'm healthy and whole in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, let's jump into this series this morning concerning a love affair. And uh, it's interesting whenever we get into these kind of messages. In fact, I was just thinking this last night. And without fail, as I start to think and ponder back over the years of ministry, and as we've started to minister on these subjects of love and just walking in love and relationships and marriage and all of that mushy, gushy, warm, fuzzy feeling stuff, without fail, now let me just emphasize, without fail, something starts to rub between me and my wife. Without fail. And it's just like, really? I've got to preach on love next week. And I don't want to. In fact, to be quite honest with you, last Saturday night, I'm telling my wife, you're preaching tomorrow. I'm not preaching. I don't want to preach. (laughs) Amen. 
Come on, I'm just being transparent because it hits all of us, doesn't it? That just, you have opportunities to go through stuff. Amen. And the interesting thing is, is that concerning this whole subject of love and walking in love, the last few months, I've just been purposing to stir some things up in my heart because you realize in order for us to increase in our relationship with God, we've got to increase in our love walk. In fact, I'll say it this way. You cannot grow spiritually if you're not growing in love. Now, I know, and when I first heard that, I thought, you know, how is that? That, that can't be right. But do you remember on, over in 1 Corinthians, he says, you can have faith that moves mountains. But if you don't have love, in fact, the Amplified says, you're a useless nobody. Come on, if we're not growing in our love walk towards one another, you cannot grow spiritually because they go together. So that doesn't mean whether it's you or whether it's me. I can be up here and look pretty all day long and say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and act like a pastor. But if I'm not growing in love, I'm not growing spiritually. Doesn't matter what my title is. Amen. And so, just in the last few months... Just in my time of prayer and in my time of meditation, one of the things that I do regularly is just purpose to pray the Ephesian prayers over myself, over our church, over our family. But then I also just started really implementing 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and began to pray concerning 1 Corinthians 13. And 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8 is all about the love of God and what love looks like, right? And so, isn't it interesting that as you begin to Say, God, I want to grow in this thing called love because obviously I don't necessarily feel like I'm looking like what this looks like and therefore I've got to make some changes in my life. Isn't it interesting how some of the most unpredictable things are the things that begin to help us learn in these lessons? Whether you're going through a building project, whether you're going through some things at your workplace, family drama, illness, rebellious teenagers, or maybe you just have financial trouble. You're saying, Lord, I want to grow in this particular area. And God uses some things that are going on in your personal life to help you begin to grow in the things that you're saying, God, I want to grow in this area. In fact, over in First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, look at what it says here. It says, this is Paul speaking, he says, For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see you face to face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. He says, I'm praying and I have a desire to see you face to face so that I can perfect. And that word is perfect is simply to mature that I can begin to mature what is lacking in your faith. Well, how many of you know that in order to walk in love, it takes faith? And it takes a whole barrel load of it. To walk in love, i got to walk in faith. But here's the irony of that. The Bible says that faith works by love. So if I want to have faith for something in my life, I better be walking in love. But God, it takes faith to walk in love. Right? But notice what Paul says. He says, I long to see you face to face so that I can perfect or mature that which is lacking in your faith. So in other words, we could say it this way. Oftentimes, those things 
that we're looking for God to change are the very things that we have to face face to face in order to mature in our faith. We're like, God, I want you to do something about that. I want you to fix that. And God says, okay, let's face it. Well, no, wait a minute. I don't want to face it. I just want you to fix it. And God says, no, the way that we mature you and perfect your faith is for you to get face to face with that thing. How are you liking me so far? <laughs> it's not fun, is it? But oftentimes, we have to become or get face-to-face with the things that we're challenged with or struggling with or just being pressed in. And as I said, God has just really been stirring me and challenging me and stretching me in some areas. And in just those last few months of just praying to God concerning this thing called love walk or my love walk God's been using some things such as marital things family things but also in the last couple months I've done a couple weddings and been to a couple weddings and I've done a couple funerals and I've been to some funerals and in the midst of those God has really been just kind of stretching my heart. Because, you know, when you think about weddings and funerals, they're all about new beginnings and about endings for both scenarios. In getting married, there's a new beginning, but then there's some things that come to an end. When it comes to a funeral, obviously there's some things that have come to an end, but there's some new beginnings. And so as I just began to ponder to some of these individuals that we've married as of late, and it started to think about just the wedding vows or even in my own ceremony or the things that I use, I started to ponder those words that we, we use. And for instance, let me just share with you what some of those things look like. We would say it like this. I'm going to put you in there. Is that all right? All right. So he's getting married. Cody and Christy, I'm just, no, this, this isn't a thus saith the Lord or anything, so don't get scared. Oh, she's, she's like raising her hand. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, we could, we could seal the deal right now, bud. <laughs> so let's just say, for instance, again, hypothetically, no pressure on the spot here. Well, I say, say, Cody, do you take this woman, Christy, to be your lawfully wedded wife and we would proceed with it to say to have and to hold from this day forward for better for worse for richer for poor in sickness and health to love and to cherish till death do us part and we get to the end of that and they say i do but the interesting thing is is that even though that those are in the marriage vows nobody really listens to what they're saying because when they're dating they're just full of optimism they're full of faith and like Everything is going to be great. We're going to live the fairy tale. Those are statistics, but not us. We're the we're no, we're different. And so, rather than saying it this way, you know, in 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 uh, for better, for worse, and richer and poorer, for sickness and health, to tell death to his power. What we, really we say is, for better, for richer, and in health. Right. Because all the other 
That's not right now. Right now, we're just smiling and grinning and happy and just in love. But that other stuff's coming. Right? I said the other stuff is coming. But oftentimes, in our young, innocent love, we're naive, aren't we? And the fact of the matter is, is that there is going to be challenges in life. How do we handle them? We can't remain naive to think that we'll never have bumps in the road, right? In fact, I'm thinking of one young guy. Uh, He just got out of Bible college, and he helped us in ministry some years back. And as he got out of Bible college, he, he never went to regular college. He never really had any work experience. He was just in his early 20s. And so when he came on to, to help us, you know, he was working in or, or trying to find a job in the secular world. And, and so he's not having any success. And so he says, Pastor, he said, I'm really struggling. I'm trying to, trying to find work. And I said, well, what are you believing God for? And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, if you're not believing for God, you'll hit it every time. If you're not putting your expectation out there, you'll, you'll get exactly what you're believing for. And so I said, what are you believing for? And he says, well, let me get back with you. And I'll come with, a, come with a conclusion. And so he got back with me. And I said, what did you figure out? He said, well, I'm believing God for a $60,000 a year job. And I started laughing. Now, again, I, I, I appreciate the guy's, you know, grand desire of faith to to get a great job and again i'm not saying anything to diminish that but he's just like 22 years old no work experience has not went to college other than his pastoral studies in bible college and and he's not going to work for me he's going to work in the secular world and so his naiveness says i'm believing god for a sixty thousand dollar a year job and that's just not realistic i'm not saying it's not possible I'm just saying it's not really realistic. Are you, are you tracking with me? Because I'm not trying to paint a picture of doom and gloom. I'm just saying that being naive sometimes costs us thinking everything's going to be rainbows and roses, right? But things happen. And challenges come. And so as I said, just in my own personal journey, I just God help me in this thing called love. And believe it or not, I've been praying about that. (laughs) And so let me just for a moment read to you what 1 Corinthians 13 says. And I know we've read this before and we've ministered on it. But I really want it to sink down in your heart. Because 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love is, what love looks like, and how love responds. And I'm going to read it a little bit slower for the sake of you really letting it soak in. Love endures long and is patient. It's kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Love is not boastful. It does not display itself haughtily. Love is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It is not rude. Love does not insist on its own rights or on its own way. Love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to the suffered wrong. 
Love does not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevails. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakness. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a mouthful of what love is. And that is a lot to chew on. And to be quite honest with you, if you try to chew on that, it'll choke you. Because love, or to walk in love the way God said to walk in love, it's challenging, isn't it? Love believes the best in all people. Come on. How's that working with you? I mean, I'm a people person. I'm a pastor. It's what I do. But I think, man, I've been around the block enough times. I've been with you. I've been with you. And if it's not you, it's the same scenario. And it's just like, man, how many times are we going to have to go through this? Right? You know what I mean? That's just life. And so you've got to work to stay on the positive side of love. But notice this. If It says, this is what love is. And this is what love does. So that tells me if this is what love looks like, then that means that there is an exact opposite contrast, a polar opposite that you're facing right now. Are you getting that? Because to walk in love when everything is great, to walk in love and love Jordan when everything is great, it's great. But it's only an opportunity to love him or walk in love when I'm not wanting to love him. Right? To not fret. To not be touchy. To not hold accounts or keep the grudge. To not get jealous or envious. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. When everything's going great in your life, hey, everything's great. You can smile and you can laugh with everybody else. Because you know somebody else doesn't have it going on so good in their life. But all of a sudden it comes to you and everybody else seems like they're getting ahead. They're buying new houses, buying new cars. And it seems like they're going on vacations. And it seems like you're going under. It's real easy to get real bent out of shape and say, God, why me? I don't want to walk in love right now. I don't want to put a smile on my face. I don't want to. (laughs) No, you got to walk in love. Right? So that means that there's something that we're facing that is a polar opposite. And in that moment, you have the opportunity. And more than likely, your attitude is when you feel that tugging and pulling on the inside and say, here's a good time to love. You're like, I don't want to. Come on, I know I'm talking to more people than just myself. Come on, we're, we're getting into a new building project or moving into a new building. And I'm so excited about it. I mean, I just, I'm beside myself. And I'm, I'm like, God, thank you for what you're doing. But I can remember those times in my life when we're like, God, how come? And God, why? And how come you're blessing that one? And they're having all these great things. Well, now the tide has turned. And now there's those that are looking and saying, oh, man, it sure would be nice being you. Right? I get it. I understand. It's great. When people come up to you and say, man, look what the Lord has done. And you're like, 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> Isn't God good? Woo! <laughs> you want to say, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Come on. This is real life. This is a pastor that deals through life just like you. I stand up here and I say, this is what God wants us to do and how God wants us to act. But I've got a flesh nature just like you. And I've got a choice just like you. And I'm telling you, there's great opportunities that I stand and get in the heat of of, of battle or get into it with my wife. And I want to let every curse word come out of my mouth just like you do. Not saying I do that. I'm saying I've got the temptation and those tendencies like you do. But what do you do? You choose to walk in love because that's the right thing to do. Come on, don't look at me differently because I just said that your pastor sometimes has that urge to, to talk like a trucker. Come on. Oh, yeah, we've got a trucker over there. Sorry. Come on. You understand what I'm saying. And please hear me because I don't want people walking around here thinking, well, pastor's got a potty mouth. No, I didn't say I do. I said I've got the temptation or the flesh nature like any of you do as well. What do you choose to do? Because love acts opposite of what you want to do. I've told you before, I've been a fighter all my life or when I was younger. There's still times where it gets me on a bad day. I want to knock your teeth out. You know what I'm saying? And then you start thinking, well, what's the headlines going to say? Flint preacher. The water wasn't bad enough. Preachers are knocking somebody out. <laughs> you know, that's just the tendency. In order for us to have successful marriages, in order for us to have successful home lives, we're going to have to tap into love. And the Bible says that God is love. So in other words, without God in your home, without God in your relationship, without you pursuing who God is, which is love, you will be a statistic. And the statistic says 52% of marriages in America fail. And really, I think the percentage in the church is higher than it is outside of the church. Why would that be? Because whether you're in the church or out of the church, you're trying to do something that God created in the context of marriage, but you're doing it without love. You're doing it without Him. You will not succeed in your marriage, in your family, in your, in your home life if you don't walk in love. But see, love's in you. And you have a choice. We've all got a purpose to walk in love. I want you to hear me because you can be born again, going to heaven, and have a marriage from the pit of hell because you choose not to let love or God rule in your home. You might say, well, I've been waiting for her to do that for the last 20 years. I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about you. You've got to yield to love. You've got to walk in love. Right? I feel my wife's eyes beating on me right now. <laughs> She's like, that's good preaching, Pastor. That's good. <laughs> yeah, sometimes my sermons come back to haunt me. That's really, yeah. So, as I said, concerning marriage, we enter into them being naive at times, but it takes work because you've got two people that need to walk in love. 
But I also said this, that just in the last couple months, there's been funerals that we've done or funerals that we've attended. And it really causes you to evaluate life differently when life finally comes to an end. And it's, it's interesting as well because I'm coming into that ripe old age of where I start evaluating things differently than I did as a younger man. As a younger man, I started, I would evaluate things always looking ahead. As I'm older and as I'm getting into my older years, I'm starting to see things backwards or looking backwards. And more than that, meaning what's the legacy that I'm leaving? And this funeral that I was just at just last week, Pastor Jerry Weinzer, his past, or his uh, father passed away. And so we went down there to his father's memorial service. And Pastor Jerry made this statement. He says, said, you cannot leave a legacy you did not live. I'll say that again. You cannot leave a legacy you did not li- live. Well, I sure want my kids to know God and walk with God as they get older. I want their marriages to be marriages full of love and their families in church. Well, listen, you can't leave a legacy that you didn't live. I want my kids just to just be passionate in their relationship with one another. I don't want them to have a bunch of screaming and fussing and fighting. You cannot leave a legacy that you did not live. I just want them to know love and not experience all the heartaches and the hardships. Listen, you cannot leave a legacy you did not live. Therefore, we've got to choose what kind of life we're going to live. Are you going to walk and fuss or are you going to walk in love? Love's a choice. Love is not easy. Amen? Amen. Had a passing thought. I'm like, no, I won't say that. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Jesus came and lived a legacy. Or I should say, lived a life. And we are his legacy. And therefore, because he lived the life, we are the legacy. We can live what he did. Because he already set the pace and proved that it could be done. Well, yeah, but he was Jesus. No, he was 100% man when he came here. He was Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was God. But he was 100% 100 man. And therefore, every time he chose to walk in love, it was 100% choice to do so. Amen? So that means that we can. And so as I ponder just this last funeral that we were at this past Thursday and as they began to talk about Pastor Jerry's father and just what kind of a man that he was you know they talked about him being a stern man being very uh, uh, emphatic in the way he thought and the way that he believed so there was a strong uh, side to him but overwhelmingly they talked about what kind of a man he was and the fact that he served God, loved God, he was generous, he was caring, he was always available, hard working, had such a work ethic. And, and, and all of his kids talked so favorably about their father. And as I said, as I'm sitting there listening concerning the legacy, I'm asking myself, what would my legacy be? 
And as we're talking about the love affair, I really want this to settle in for all of us. What's your legacy or what would you leave? And what are you living? Because once again, I was asking myself, what kind of a man, what kind of a father, what kind of a husband would my girls say that I am if I was to leave or be gone next week? What kind of man would my son become as a result of the example that I was before him if I were to leave or was to be gone next week? What would the memories of my wife be if I was to be gone? What's my legacy? And like I said, it really hits home when you start evaluating our love walk. And then this statement hit me extremely hard after the service was all over many pastors were getting together and just talking and there were some pastor friends from Ohio and there was another pastor friend or two actually from Kentucky but the one fellow from Kentucky he's a couple years younger than me he's got children that are our age and we were just talking about ministry and we were just talking about this whole thing concerning legacy and we were talking about how in ministry it can be tough and how sometimes your wives and your family can take the brunt of just the pressure of things because, you know, you got to be nice to everybody else but they're the ones you can just unload on, you know. It's not fair, but that tends to be the, the way that it is. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can relate to that, man. And then I just talked about him because last year he lost his mother and she succumbed to cancer. And then he said this. He said, I was just talking to my dad last week. And he said, my dad said, if I had your mother back or if I could have your mother back, I can assure you there would never be another harsh word between us. Isn't it interesting how the loss of something makes you appreciate what you had? If I could only have your mother back I can assure you there would never be another harsh word between us why because life comes into perspective life takes on a whole new meaning Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says this a soft answer <clears throat> excuse me a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger too often times we're talking really rough and tough and rough with each other right in fact it might be kind of scary sometimes if people actually saw what our homes look like sometimes people might think you've lost your mind <laughs> right but we can choose to walk in love second timothy verse one says this chapter one verse seven says for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you have something that the world does not have. And that is the power, the source, the force of love working in your home. You may know people that look like they have a great marriage, but if they're not born again, if they're not Christians, they don't know how to love. Let me emphasize that. They might try to. They might love in this natural carnal love. But apart from having a relationship with God who is love, you cannot love. 
If you're a believer, if you've got Christ in your heart, the Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. So that means our marriages, our homes, our families ought to look entirely different. Because we choose to walk in love. We choose to be patient. We choose to be long-suffering. We choose to be kind. We choose not to be rude. We choose not to insist on our own ways or our own rights. We choose not to be fretful or to be resentful. I said we choose not to be fretful. Come on, some of us, we like to be fretful. We just like to get into it. We're going to fret tonight, baby, let me tell you. We're getting after it and it's down. And we take pride in that sometimes, don't we? He says, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear. And everything that love opposes, fear is the root of it. Why do you fret? Because you're afraid. Look at all those scenarios. Fear is the result. And he says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but the power of love and soundness of mind. So he says, get your head in the right place. Stop thinking negative thoughts. Stop thinking that way. And therefore, the power of love will come up and undergird you. Come on. This will save our marriages. It will save our homes. Fast forward. If you was to lose your spouse, if you were to lose your children today, would any of the stuff matter that we fret over? The bills that are behind, the messy house, the underwear on the back of the doorknob, the toilet seat left up, Kitchen counter doors open. (laughs) Would any of it matter? Are you listening? Would it matter if you lost them tomorrow? You would be wishing for that opportunity back. Are you hearing my heart this, this morning? It doesn't matter all the junk that we go through in life because we've got love and God says... You've been left a legacy. Now you leave a legacy. Do you remember that show, Groundhog's Day? I woke up to the same scenario every day. That ought to be us. Every day is a fresh opportunity to do it over. I'm going to walk in love today. I'm going to love today. God, today's the day that I'm going to get it right. And you might get to the end of the night and say, God, I didn't get it right. I messed up again. The alarm goes off in the morning. Another opportunity to get it right. Another opportunity to love. Another opportunity to not let the little stuff become big stuff. Because we've got a love affair. Let's live the love affair. Amen. I'm telling you, this thing is doable. Now, if you try to do it by yourself, it's hard. But man, when we got a support system, a church, where we can come together and say, man, 
I want to just get real and I'm struggling right now. That's when we can undergird one another and say, come on, we're here with you. Where women can be accountable to women, men to men, and where we can grow in this thing called love and truly be the example for this community. You know all the junk that we hear about Flint? You know what would fix it? Love. Yeah, but GM left. (laughs) Love fixed that. The water's a mess. Love will fix that. How? Because love is the greatest force on earth. And if we got love, everything else has to line up. Because when God sent love, it fixed the worst problem ever. Love will fix any other little problem. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen, I don't want to call anybody out or put you on the spot. But church, I want you to know that I'm preaching from my heart because it hits home for me as well. And we're in this thing together. And so if you're here this morning and you're like, I want to have love in my home and I want it to be fresh and I want it to be new. It all begins with a choice. And today is a day that you can say, today is when I choose to make that choice. Tomorrow is another day and choose tomorrow, but today's today. So with nobody looking around, every eye closed, every head bowed. But if you would be here in this place and say, man, I want love to rule in my home. Would you just raise your hand? Hands all over the place. Thank you. You can put them down once you put them up. If you didn't raise your hand, I know that would be the desire of your heart. Listen, I'm going to say a prayer. And listen, let's do life together, all right? Let's love God, love people, and love life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone in this place right now. God, I thank you that you so loved us that you sent solutions to every problem we'd ever face. And that's Jesus. And so, God, right now, we yield ourselves, we submit ourselves to love. And we choose right now To let love rule and reign in our homes, in our marriages, in our thought life, in our words, in our deeds, right now. Holy Spirit, you are the helper and the counselor and the teacher. So we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to jerk our chain, to, to get our attention, slap us on the back of the head, whatever we need, God. Lord, we give you permission right now. To help us walk in love. And as you help us and with your help, God, we will succeed and have success. And have a love affair that people are truly envious of. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.